Good morning, everybody. So good to have you here at week number 10 of our journey experience online during this crazy COVID season. And um, we're excited about what God is doing in spite of, actually sometimes in the midst of, um, because of this season that we're in. And that's why we invite you to just grab your Bibles, open to Exodus 15, because we're continuing our journey in the in-between. And what we're doing is we've been following the children of Israel as they leave the slavery in Egypt, experience new life, kind of the freedom of life with God, and but before the time they actually enter the land of promise. And, and it kind of just fits where we are, I think, in our lives. Many of us have come to faith and put our trust in God and his plan through Jesus, and we're still awaiting his return and when we get to be in heaven, and we live in that space in between. It's especially apropos, I think, during this COVID experience, where we're kind of like, the old life is kind of forever changed. We're entering a new life, but between there, we have this stay-at-home existence that we have to learn to live a whole new normal. So grab your Bibles and open up, because what we've learned is that the people of God had been living in slavery and groaning out to God for 400 years in Egypt. God sent the Moses, the deliverer, to go and rescue them. It took plagues and all kinds of miraculous encounters for the Egyptians to finally give up their slave force, and, and God leads them out through his servant Moses to the Red Sea. We learned how in that miraculous moment, God parts the Red Sea. They've got the Egyptian army right on their heels and the Red Sea before them. God parts the sea and leads his people through on dry ground. Immediately after, God closes up the sea on the Egyptian army, setting them free and taking out the largest, most powerful army in the known world. And it's in this experience that they understand God is leading them. He's leading them with the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And we find ourselves now in Exodus chapter 15, verse 22. So then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in the desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Mara, which means bitter. This brings me to my first observation and where we uh, launch point today. Great trials often follow great triumphs. I find that in my life, some of the greatest challenges of my life just come right after some of the greatest joys and experiences of my life. The passage says it starts with the word then meaning that the following verses are directly connected to the preceding ones. So in other words, they have this incredible worship moment where they honor God and just sing songs of praise for his miraculous provision and deliverance. And then just immediately afterwards, three days later, they find themselves in a quandary in this moment of crisis. The water is running out and they don't know what to do. <clears throat> so this is what happened. After this incredible miraculous deliverance, God redeems them. He not only del delivered them, he made them rich. It says they plundered Egypt. People were just giving them their wealth in order to get them to just leave. They go through the Red Sea on dry ground, never heard of before, total miracle. And then the army, the greatest army in the world is wiped out. And yet, then, 
three days later, they are completely out of water and they go nuts. They lose their cool. And I've learned that trials follow triumphs. I think it's interesting that Jesus, even before he was starting his ministry, just as he began, he goes and is baptized by John the Baptist, his cousin. And then you hear a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son. In him I am well pleased. And that is the launch point. It was like this glorious moment when God literally shines down on Jesus and everybody's like, oh, this is the Messiah. And then God sends him immediately into the desert, the wilderness, for 40 days of testing. So many of our lives' experiences, the great experiences, are followed by some of the most challenging ones. You've always wanted that child. You get them, and then you experience some of the greatest struggles and pains. You wanted that new job, and you get it, and then you find yourself in complexities and difficulties you had never imagined. It just seems to work that way. Every pastor knows the victory of Easter, that we just look forward to it. It's, it's the largest attended service. It's the greatest um, anticipated service. And it's usually the greatest responded to service of our year. Every pastor knows the victory, but they also know that sense of trouble that follows because the very next Sunday, a friend of mine calls it Cannonball Sunday because he said, I could shoot a cannon through here and not hit anybody. That's the way it feels. Triumphs followed by troubles. And I can think of so many examples in my life. And here in the Exodus story, Moses has just led them through this experience, and now everybody turns on him. We find verse 24, it says, Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. And I want to just pause here for a little bit and just kind of speak to you leaders. Those of you who are in responsibility for others, <clears throat> it's maybe because of your talent or you some of you just you just came out of the womb ready to take over and you're just gifted and wired that way others of you it's been a little more thrust upon you there was a responsibility a task something that you just kind of said well i guess if no one else will i will some of you you had no interest whatsoever as a matter of fact you tried to get away from it but like moses god just insisted and you find yourself responsible for others and it's kind of like those people in leadership, you who are in leadership, know this pain. This is what one pastor told me. It's, it's called the what have you done for me lately syndrome. I, I remember back when there was a certain family in our church several years ago who went through a very trying physical experience with one of the members of their family. So I was down in L.A. Um, day after day and at the bedside and just there um, offering as much care as I possibly could, which required that I put all my other meetings and responsibilities and counseling and leadership on hold so that I could be there for them during the crisis. And then afterwards, as they were convalescing, I was at the house and I was making daily calls just to make sure they were okay. And I remember just several weeks later when I finally had to return to my normal responsibilities, I heard from somebody in the church that they were very upset and maybe leaving the church because I hadn't been there for them lately. Folks, you all know what it feels like to pour out your heart and try to serve others or do something good or kind of go above and beyond. And for the moment, it's like, great, that's so good. But then the moment after, it's the what have you done for me lately? But how are you performing right now? I could have one of my greatest Sundays, but the very next Sunday could be one of my worst. It's just that is how it works. You, will, you as a leader, as the person who's out front, you will be shot at 
It's like the spouting whale gets harpooned. It's like if you take the lead, if you are the one that surfaces, if you are the one that says, follow me, you're going to find yourself a target for somebody. Because the greater the good, the greater the gravity. The higher you try to rise, the more resistance you will, you will face in your ascent. And that's just kind of a natural experience of leaders. The, that is what we find with Moses. He was one that God chose to deliver and did all those miracles through. But at the same time, it puts him in a position for everybody to complain about him. It's like, it's his fault that we're in this position. I find it so interesting that Moses never actually wanted this job. When God told him at the burning bush, Moses, I've chosen you to be the deliverer, Moses said, God, please, not me. Maybe he'd watched because he was raised in the house of Pharaoh. Maybe he'd watched and seen what leaders go through. And he was like, God, I want none of that. But God insisted, and eventually God had his way. And sometimes we find ourselves in positions of oversight or responsibility that we never expected to be in. But we saw a need, and so we stepped in. We saw a problem, and we said, well, I'll offer a solution. And maybe in your family or at work or with friends or, or in a situation at church. And the truth is, if you lead, if you choose to take that role, you will be criticized, often unfairly. So how do you respond? What's the natural response and what is the God response? What is the way that Christ followers, apprentices to Jesus, respond to these moments? Well, what we find is there are basically three responses you can take to criticism of your leadership. One is to defend. And this is the typical human response. I'm gonna go to my defense and I'm gonna challenge them and I'm gonna take them on. I'm gonna point out all their flaws and I'm gonna make sure that they feel very much corrected. I'm gonna put them in their place. That's a natural human response to criticism. Then there's another one, which is kind of depressing. It's despair, where people just get so overwhelmed by the critique that they just feel like giving up and they turn and walk away. I've seen a lot of pastors do this. As a matter of fact, it's very, very small percentage of pastors who make it for the long haul 20 years or plus in ministry. I also know that there's a third response. So we can either defend, we can despair, or we can do what Moses did, we can depend. We can make our dependence totally connected to God. What I love about Moses, he chose to depend on God. It seems like there was nobody else that was really there for him in that way when he needed it. So he took his problems to God. I love that Moses never tried to defend himself. We never see Moses trying to rationalize or reason with or even correct the people. He just cried out to God, the scripture says. He had his security and his confidence and his sense of identity anchored in the one who called him, not those who were following him. He didn't actually care how many likes he had on his Instagram. He wasn't worried about the opinions of all the people around him. He simply knew that at the end of the day, if God said, well done, he had done his job. He went straight to God, laid the problems of the people at God's feet, and God responded. And so here's some suggestions for when you find yourself unfairly criticized. First, make God your anchor. Make him the one you go to first, second, and last. I mean, just continually take your issues to God. Another one, stay humble. Because when people love you, let's be honest, when people are all celebrating you and applauding you, 
you have the, the potential there to get a really big head and to believe all the press and to actually start maybe inflating your sense of self. However, when they hate you or they turn on you, you'll be tempted to despise yourself or just feel very, very low about yourself. But if you anchor yourself and stay humble in the calling of God, those things can actually come and go and you will stay rooted. Another thing, keep a sweet spirit. I heard a pastor once say this, you're gonna get bombarded with criticism and critique and everybody has an understanding or a way to do it that was probably better than yours. And it's not because we came fully equipped and know everything that we stepped into these roles, it's simply because we wanted to help. But he's, he said, when you get criticized, when you take the hits, keep a sweet spirit. Do like Jesus did, see beyond the critique to the person that is hurting inside, the person that needs somehow to be right or whatever. And, and love them in spite of it. They're just broken people trying to make sense of the world of pain that they're going through. Then finally, ask God for wisdom. James tells us this, if anybody lacks wisdom, let them ask of the Lord who gives liberally and without distinction, and they will have it. And this is the powerful thing. You've gotta ask wisdom from God. So when you lead, God chooses you for a role. Sometimes you had no interest in it. Sometimes you were so gung-ho for it. Regardless, when you meet those moments where people turn on you, go to God, anchor in Him, stay humble, keep a sweet spirit, and ask for His wisdom. Now some lessons for followers. Because everyone, at one point or another, God places us under somebody else who has responsibility for us or who has say over our lives. So when you are a follower, be sure to make your following count. It matters. How you follow under the leadership of another matters. As a matter of fact, it might be the one thing that matters most about that season of your life that God has placed you in. And that is what God is doing, is testing you and trying you and developing you under certain criteria in a situation where you have less control. You have been assigned by God for certain experiences. I believe that many of us are destined to go through very difficult things under the challenging leadership of another so that we will be shaped in very specific ways that God wants to mold us for the future work he has for us. Romans 13, one says, no authority except that, there is no authority except that which is given by God or established by God. In other words, God places the authority structures above us and around us. And, and you have been assigned by God to experience certain things perhaps. Be the one that helps that person succeed. In fact, make it your mission to make that person especially successful, even if, no, especially if you don't get the credit. This may be the one reason God has placed you there is just to watch your character form as you celebrate and champion and bless the person who is over you, even if that person is totally unworthy of that kind of love and care. Because God always honors those who honor him and the authority structures he has placed over them. Hebrews 13, 17 says it this way, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over your souls as those who must give an account. Do this so their work may be a joy and not a burden. 
Let me just ask you this. Are the people who are over you in whatever sphere of life, family structures, work structures, church, are their lives a joy because you're in it? That is literally what we're learning here is that the scriptures are teaching us. Make their lives joyful because of your relationship under their leadership. Throughout the New Testament, God tells people to honor those who are above us in leadership. And I'm not suggesting you stand by and take abuse or mistreatment. Um, that is not what I'm saying here. But what I'm saying is we are all called to support those that God has placed in authority over us. And that means even when we disagree with them, even when they are very difficult, the reason God places us under them is to train us, to prepare us. I think that there's one time that just comes immediately to mind for me when I think of this kind of experience. I was early in my youth ministry, very early on, and the pastor that had started me out had retired and another gentleman had come and been elected, and he was a very difficult person for me to work with. Um, he had very different ideas from my, the predecessor, and he was not as keen on my ministry or the things that we were doing. He had his own way of doing everything and wanted to reformat and re redo all of the things I was doing. It was very painful. It was very challenging. As a matter of fact, it was kind of a personal affront because I had spent these years developing a thriving ministry. So when he came in and changed it and was just basically criticizing, it seemed like everything I was doing, which everybody before was celebrating, now it seems like all he could do is criticize, I did not handle it well. And I found myself in conversations on the side, questioning his leadership and entertaining other people who were coming to me and saying, this guy is this and that, this guy is blah, blah, blah. And I would just kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, I see your point. I didn't outright speak evil of him to the general public, but I did not turn away from those kinds of things. And I literally let myself become a sounding board for people who were upset with him. One year into his ministry there, he was re-voted re on and was basically asked to leave the church. Many years later, um, I thought that was the greatest thing. I was so happy because I was like, man, finally we're going to get you know, somebody who gets this church and gets my ministry and gets the other things that are going on here. That was actually a learning place for me that I missed my opportunity. Because many years later, after I had been in leadership over a larger ministry for a season, God showed me that I was experiencing some very similar traits to the ones that I had given him when I was following. God allowed me to suffer under some very, very harsh criticism and some things that I learned very quickly. That's what it feels like when you let people, when, when people turn their hearts against you. I had to call this gentleman. I had to apologize and I had to ask his forgiveness and I had to tell him that I had realized through my own experience that how wrong I was. Folks, when we follow, follow well. Make that your covenant with God, that you will, even when leaders don't get it right, that you will get it right. Chances are you're following a human or are under one right now, which means they are fallible, short-sighted, temperamental, quirky, and some of them just downright difficult. But that is the point. We're with humans, we're under humans. God has put us in that place. So when you can't agree with them, disagree with grace and respect and appropriately respond. Never speak evil of them. Always talk first to them before you talk about them. And when you talk about them, talk about them only to God. 
That's the Christian way. Pray fast and call on God for them. That's how Moses' heart was developed into the greatest leader, what God called the most humble man on the earth. So following Jesus is more about deep development than quick advancement. So everyone who follows under another, keep that in mind. Next point I want to bring up is I, I see that bitter trials are opportunities for bigger trust. Bitter trials are opportunities for bigger trust. Verse 25 says, So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. Another translation says it made the water sweet, appealing, totally the opposite of what it had been. So remember, the trials that you go through are opportunities to turn to God and obey him and watch him work. I think that sometimes we look at the Bible as, okay, over there in that time with those people in those circumstances, they were working with God and God was developing them. But in my circumstance, God has little to do with it. We just see our circumstances as just problems and difficulties and our own stuff, our junk. But we forget that God, the same God who loves the people of Israel, love, loves us and is leading us through these experiences. The people there failed to trust, but Moses trusted completely. It would take Israel 40 years of wandering before they caught on to the idea that actually this God loves us and he's preparing a great life for us. If we would just commit to worshiping and obeying him, our lives would go so much better. Bitter things happen to us all. We don't have any choice in that matter. The Bible doesn't hide the fact that in this world we will have tribulation. Somebody watching is going through it right now. Whatever it is, it's just bitter in your life. Dry seasons, bitter water experiences, they're unavoidable. But the question is, how will you respond? How are you responding right now to the season you're in? You see, we have two very obvious responses in the text. First, were the people. Their response was, when they tasted something bitter, they went bitter. Don't let the bitter experiences of your life turn you bitter. We have a second response in the text. Moses' response. When the bitter circumstances happen, Moses responded with total trust. Moses turned to God. The people turned on God. Such a powerful realization that when you have your moments, do you turn to God or against him? Do you run to him as a child to their father when they're injured, or do you run away as if your father has done the injuring? Which best represents you? Most of us are somewhere in between. We're not like totally trusting God, but we're not like totally going bitter either. So I'm just wanting to remind you that whatever the experience you're going through, whatever the Mara, the bitter experience, God is leading you through it. Did you realize God led them to these waters? and then God led them past them. But it was at that experience, he was testing them to show them what was in their hearts and to show them what was in his. Sometimes we miss this point that God's great revelation is not just what's going on in you. God wants to show you what is in him, what he is like, how good, how loving, how faithful, how much he wants to lead our lives to the place of promise. But that in-between is where we learn to trust him, to grab hold of his hand, 
In those moments of bitter experiences and sour waters and difficulty is when we say, okay, God, I'm leaning in. I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna take your hand. Whatever's happening, I believe you are doing something good in the midst. That's what we find. I'm so grateful that God is patient. I'm so grateful that he says, follow me. We're gonna get through this. And he continues to show such grace to his people. It says God led them to that bitter place because God had a better plan. God led them to the bitter place to show them what was in his, in his heart as well as what was in theirs. The third thing and final thing, obedience and trust are the key to turning your bitter experiences into better experiences. Let me say that again. Obedience and trust are the keys to turning your bitter experiences into better experiences. The text says, verse 26, it was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. I love that God kind of lays down his cards and reveals to them what is actually happening behind the scenes. I brought you here to test you and to help you understand this, but also I brought you here to heal you. We've said it before, but God was not only bringing them out of Egypt, he was bringing Egypt out of them. He was helping them discover that that stuff that was in them their hearts where they were corrupted or had trusted other loves or had affections anchored in other things, that it was time to release those and to place their faith and trust in God. Because he said, I'm going to lead you to the bitter place to reveal what's going on so that you will learn to trust me and obey me. It's important we get both of those. Not only do we believe the right things, doing the right things is what heals us. I was interested to realize as I studied this week that Hebrew scholars and ancient um, Jewish scholars tell us that the healing that took place here was not only the healing of physical ailments, but the healing of the bitterness of their slavery and the negativity that they had gone through. God was working a healing in them through this experience. That's what God is doing in your life in this in-between. God wants to bring you to those experiences where he reveals to you what's going on inside, where you can see that frustration and ugliness so he can heal you. That's God's plan. He brings us to those moments, reveals what's inside, asks us to trust and obey him, and in the obedience, it's not just in the belief, in the obedience, we are healed. I love that. There are many things in the world that, that seem to satisfy our thirst. But did you know that drinking salt water actually makes you thirstier? What I read is the scholars believe that those waters were not just polluted, they were actually brackish, brackish, they were salty. They couldn't be drank without causing greater dehydration. It's like going at sea, if you're stuck out in the ocean and you drink salt water, it just dehydrates you. The more you drink, the less healthy you are. That's what they were experiencing. Many people turn to so many other things to fill the thirst in their soul. And God is saying all the time, I want to take you to the sweet waters, but it takes obedience. Obedience is the path. That's how we get to the place of the sweet waters. 
Folks, I just want to close today. What's your bitter experience? I just want to invite you to bring these things to God. Is it your marriage? Is it something that's happened between you and a loved one, a family member? Is it something that's going on with you at your career or your lack of career? Is it something that God's just maybe not showed up for you in the way you expected? Maybe it's something where you felt abused or used or taken advantage of at work or at church. It happens all the time. Whatever your bitter experience is, I want you to bring that to God today. I'm bringing some of those with me right now, and I'm going to pray with you, and I just want to invite you just to bring them to God. Take some of these experiences and just ask him not only, not only to reveal what's in your heart, but to reveal what's in his and to lead you to the place of healing as you trust and obey. Let's pray. Father, as we close today, our hearts are laid bare during times of bitterness. When we reach those waters of Mara, the bitter moments, we get to see inside of ourselves like very few other times. And you do that so that we will understand not only who we are, but even more importantly, who you are. And that you are the God who heals. And when we trust you and obey what you say, it literally brings healing, not only to our physical bodies, but to our hearts. The more we drink in of all these other sources and try and fulfill our thirst, the more thirsty we become. And God, we eventually end up either in despair or turning to you and saying, God, only you can satisfy the deep longings of my heart. Fill me with the sweet water. Bring me to a place of healing. And God, whoever is listening today, I pray that you would just do that in them. Bring them to that place of trust and obedience where they can experience the sweet waters. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Friends, if you have been ministered to today, man, tell somebody else. Let them see the experience. Send this to somebody so they can watch. Don't forget, if you want prayer today, you can click the little button there in the chat space to let us know that you've made a decision today or you would like to be connected with. And folks, we love you. Stay connected, and we will see you next week. God bless. There's a grace when the heart is under fire Another way when the walls are closing in When I look at the space between What remains of me and this reckoning I know I will never be alone There is another in the fire Standing next to me There is another in the waters Holding back the seas Should I ever need reminding How I've been set free There is a cross that bears the burden Where another died for me There is another in the fire all my dead left for dead beneath the waters I'm no longer a slave to my sin anymore 
Should I fall in the space between what remains of me and this reckoning? Either way, I won't bow to the things of this world. And I know, and I know I will never be alone. There is another in the fire standing next to me. There is another in the waters holding back the seas. Should I ever need reminded?
count the joy from every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be Count the joy from every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be